0: As we say good morning on a uh, Thursday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Always thrilled to introduce incredible guests here at JM in the AM. And as his theme song plays in the background, while we would prefer that this morning's guest be on a little later on, more in the prime time slots of JM in the AM, because of his very busy schedule... We had to agree to an earlier time this morning, but I was not going to pass up an opportunity to speak to Rabbi Yoshua Fass, the leader of Nefesh Benefesh, during what is Parshas Shlach Week here in the diaspora. With all that in mind, um, one of the main reasons that so many People are making Aliyah from North America, and that is the uh, influence of the leader of Nefesh Benefesh and co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, Rabbi Yoshua Fass. Rabbi Fass, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Love being on the show. I appreciate that. I know you have a crazy schedule today. It's unusual we do this in hour number one, but I wasn't going to pass up the opportunity. I don't know if you're aware of the fact, although I'd be shocked if you're not aware of it, uh, but I've been expressing yet again, which happens every time that it happens, uh, my frustration with the fact that we are uh, not in sync, partial-wise, with the state of Israel. I've spent enough time talking about my solutions to this situation, so I don't need you to spend your precious time getting into it, but I just hope you appreciate, I have a feeling you do, how frustrating it is for those of us who feel connected to the Holy Land to have this blatant inconsistency with the Holy Land. Now, you've been back and forth over the last couple of weeks. Are you frustrated by the fact that we're reading Shlach this morning and this Shabbos, but you're reading a different Parsha this morning and this Shabbos in Israel?
1: I'm frustrated that I missed Parshas Pahalotcha, but maybe the, <laughs> the lack of synchronicity is actually a good thing.
0: Well, what's the positive? One second. Give me a minute on this. What would possibly be the positive? that the- I'm going to share more than a minute with you on this, because
1: <laughs> I know how much <laughs> it bothers you.
0: Lack of synchronicity. What would be the advantage of I it? Mean, what would be the positive element of it?
1: I think being out of sync is a good
0: thing sometimes. Really? As a yep. people, as a nation, in this world that's getting smaller and smaller, uh, where it makes... I sense. think incongruity and cognitive dissonance
1: propels an individual to want to modify and align. And that incongruity pushes people to, in anything in life, uh, sometimes, you know, it's not managed by crisis, but I think in a, an, an alignment, a de-alignment, helps people realign themselves.
0: Is that one of the reasons that this week's Parsha in the diaspora uh, is so so, uh, 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 difficult for so many people to deal with because of the incongruity, because of this drastic attitude that the majority of the spies had compared to the drastic love of Israel that only a couple of the spies had?
1: There are a lot of challenges within this Parsha. It's a complex parsha. It has tremendous conflicting incongruities, and um, uh, almost every chapter within the parsha. And it really propels us to uh, to examine a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth time of finding the meaning and finding the resolutions within the psukim.
0: Because as you're saying this and talking about the, again, out-of-sync reality between Israel and Diaspora right now, I'm wondering to myself, and I would assume at some point in the last many decades I've wondered this before, I'm wondering to myself, what if all of the spies had taken one exclusive position one way or the other? How different Jewish history would be? Absolutely. That that incongruity, the fact that our giants, the fact that our giants of a generation were out of sync, so to speak, in terms of a consensus or a a uh, unanimity regarding Israel, um, you know, has led to a very interesting history of the Jewish people. True, true, my friend. Plus, of course, Enter Fast is with us live via telephone. For those of you shocked that he's with us this early, we had no choice. Uh, And in addition to that, you always – and maybe this is why you really enjoy the uh, the out-of-sync nature of all of this. Uh, As you've pointed out before – uh, you're at a tremendous advantage in years like this because you have uh, gone ahead and analyzed Parsha Schlach a full week ahead of the rest of us. And if we if we were on if we were on even ground you might be scrambling a bit more on a morning like today.
1: A hundred percent. When I have to go on the air, it's usually five minutes, but since I had like a week and a half Everyone, fasten your seatbelts. we going to be a 23-minute
0: Javar Torah. All right, so I know you only do have, in reality, a few minutes. What can you tell us this year about Parsha Shlach and how it relates to our eventuality of uh, waking up and realizing that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel?
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show again. And, uh, Nahum, you know that I never take for granted your consistent, valiant voice in support of Eretz Israel. And your continued emphasis on the prominence and centrality that Israel must have in our lives. Thank and uh, as and you know, I cherish our friendship. And I appreciate, given the ability to share some words on Parsha Shlach. Um, so this is what I was thinking. For some reason, this year while I was reading the Parsha a week before, it struck me that it was quite odd that after the episode of the spies, of the Miraglim, and the subsequent punishment. We have a story of an Ishma Kosheshitseam, the story of the individual accused of, you know, flagrantly violating the laws of Shabbat. Now I've noticed this oddity, I've 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 appreciated this oddity prior, but for some reason it hit a nerve and it and it propelled me, pushed me to try to find out what really bothered me and then try to find a sense of resolution. And the Metfarshim commentary seemed to be bothered as well by this chronological sequence of these two stories, and if you look at all of the, the approaches, you can really distill it into two different categories. So one school of thought looks at this in a very pejorative and very negative perspective, and, and they're like, how could B'nai Yisrael, how can someone in B'nai Yisrael, having just experienced receiving the Torah, and experience daily miracles in the desert, and just seeing the direct severe consequences of not heeding Hashem's instruction, actually blatantly violate the Shabbat. And that's how you read the chronology of the sequence in Parsha Shlach. And on the opposite side, others look at the sequence of stories in a completely more favorable light. And they like, how amazing is it that 99% of Bnei Israel stayed committed to the Torah? They were just denied entry into Israel. They were just destined to be in the desert for the rest of their lives. And yet, only one person was Nikoshe Shitzim. And maybe that's the sequence of reading this, this uh, these two different stories within the Parsha. But after staring at these commentaries and staring again and again at these psukim, at these verses, I realized what bothered me. And that is that moments after receiving the most devastating news, right, they hear the most severe, acute punishment of their denial into Israel. What do they do? They just go on with their lives. Now, it's true, it's astonishing that 99% of them stay committed. But the complexity and the pain of being denied entry and being destined that generation for diaspora life, it's not shared in the narrative. The seeming banality or the ordinariness of the events seems so dissonant to the reading of what we were just reading until now. Where is the description of the lifelong enduring struggle with this punishment? Where is the narrative describing how B'nai Israel now needed to learn how to navigate their identity of now knowing that their generation will always be diaspora Jews, denied of their very promise, denied of their very destiny. And, and, I, and what was bothering me is where's the conflict? Where's the internal conflict? Where's the complexity? The Parsha, Parsha Schlach transitions from the biggest historical punishment to our people to a situation where we're pointing fingers at an individual who is transgressing. And that is what was so unnerving to me. It, it almost adds insult to injury. Not only do they not want to go into Israel in the first place, but when they were denied and realized what they actually lost, it seemed that they adjusted quite well. And maybe seemingly fast to their new situation. Nochem, you know I just came back from America. You saw me at the parade. Yeah. And I stayed a few days, and I was, I was traveling with this delegation of Israeli politicians. And some of these politicians were in America for their first first time or second trip to America, and what astounded these politicians was how normal things were. It kept on repeating, it's so normal. How things felt so comfortable, Um, not comfortable materialistically, and they saw a lot of that, but how at ease people felt. And I'm not sure what they were expecting to see, but I watched maybe for the first time through their eyes how uncomfortable they were by seeing how comfortable others wow were with their lives wow
0: wow these and, these are and, these are people who brought to life the discomfort that we should be feeling here
1: exactly wow and, and 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 it was eating at me for those days because they were taken aback and and I've been so. Numb by it. I'm also American-born, you know, bred. Right, right. You know the routine. And I, right. I, I, I didn't. I didn't feel the dissonance. And, and they were articulating it. Now, this, you know, it's not going to come to a shock at you because even though I'm, I'm a Aliyah cheerleader, I don't think that immediate Aliyah is an option for everyone. Right. I think you know that I feel that timing is critical. Right. And I even tell people to delay their Aliyah for the sake of a child or marriage or professional stability. And you and I both know for many, sadly, Aliyah may be out of grasp and, and it's not a re- realistic possibility. Mm-hmm. But I do believe and you know I do believe with every fiber of my body that every Jew must understand. And, and you use your megaphone to remind everyone to be cognizant that we're the ideal place for our nation is. And that maybe we lost the feeling of discomfort of having to live somewhere else. And maybe, my friend, the Torah reading being out of sync this week especially this week, is really poetically appropriate for maybe we should feel a bit out of sync in the diaspora. I guess the Israeli delegation expected that a Jew in the diaspora should experience a complex or, yeah, or, 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 or a or, or conflicting in, sense of identity, whatever. Yeah. Well,
0: or, or wouldn't sleep 100% comfortably at night, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Look, and I, yeah. No, 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 what were you saying? No, I don't know what your schedule is because now I could do this for the next two hours. So you have to be frank with me this, the second you have to leave. But I got to make a couple of points there because this was such a brilliant observation. And, yeah, by the way, I would add the fact that they probably were amazed and probably shocked at the level of luxury uh, that, that we're enjoying in this in this area of the world. But that's a whole separate issue. On the first point, I, and and I would, I would uh, add, Rabbi Fass, to in terms of the um uh the national reaction to this episode as you described it we have precedent We have national episodes where the Jewish people collectively and certainly their leadership with them express tremendous mourning, express tremendous agitation with what they had just experienced and shame with how they treated God and reacted to something that's important to him. And here... Even if you say you slightly do see it in the aftermath of the episode, you can make that argument. You certainly don't see it on the level that one would expect with the way you described right. it as the biggest national episode in history with the largest collective punishment in our history. The other point I have to make, and I got to make this point so delicately, because and, and I hope more than just you will understand what I'm talking about, how ironic is it that you point out the Hillel Shabbos episode, right? Because that's what it is. However you want to describe Mechosh Hashim, it's an issue of, yeah, yeah. of Hillel Shabbos. It's an issue of desecration of Shabbos, observance slash desecration of Shabbos. That's the major issue. And this follows the episode, of course, of the Meraglin. How ironic is it that so many people, when speaking of the future of the Jewish people being in the state of Israel... Go out of their way to point out often the minutia. I say that in brackets, but go off, but often go out of their way to point out uh, the the um, the likelihood. Be careful now, <laughs> so you know you know exactly where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going. The, the, it, it, how ironic is it that one of the major topics that people bring up when discussing whether their family belongs in Israel is wh- what effect it will have on ritual to those that they care about? I guess that's yeah. a pretty sensitive way of putting it. And I'm it's, it's amazing. I don't know if you thought of this. But it's amazing. It's one of the biggest topics of this generation, right? Ritual observance and its relationship to moving one's family to Israel. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying the whole topic's not a challenge. I think it's certainly, you know, deal, you know one, one can deal with it, but again, not everybody wants to put in the effort to deal with it. But how unbelievable is it that you point out that there's an episode discussing, you know, a, a, an important, but again, a singular uh, act regarding our ritual, regarding something very important to us, Shabbos, and it follows this national episode, and today, those two things are often discussed one with the other. I don't know. If you you thought of it. I'm sorry that I'm not. What? If if this struck you or you thought of it before, I'm calling you brilliant. But if you didn't, I'm calling myself brilliant for pointing this out. (laughs)
1: No, you're always more brilliant than I am. Uh, That's a given. (laughs)
0: And if we were I'm, in- I'm your
1: mood. I'm just getting I'm <laughs> leading some of your rays. Of-
0: and if we were in the te- the temporary soon to be permanent studios, please God, in Jerusalem today, and I was able to pull you out of your office to spend a few minutes with us on the air, I would turn it into an hour or two conversation because this is something that in my opinion is so vital, the myth and fact behind this whole issue of a oh, fake we can dedicate a- Good, a good, good, good hour to do yeah, that exactly. And, and I, I am now, Plunge go- into statistics. and unfortunately for you, well, I mean, you can go back if you wish, but unfortunately for you, this Parsha has now passed you by. Uh, but I will tell you that I will read those passages, those psukim, those sentences regarding Israel and Shabbos very, very differently this Shabbos with, with a tremendous amount of consideration. And I'm sure it will lead to very interesting conversation at the Shabbos table this week. Wow, this was i you, you dropped a bomb on us this morning, at least for me. This was really an unbelievable observation and yeah and and the aftermath, the reaction to episodes in general in our history sometimes are more important than the episodes themselves uh, uh, a
1: thousand a thousand percent a thousand percent. It's the it's the right after. How do they react? How do they pick themselves up? How do they wipe off yeah. the dust? How what is their reaction? And what a message in, in all of Tanakh.
0: Yeah, and all of life. What a message to convey to our children and grandchildren. Uh, you know, they, they don't don't let it make don't make them go through a lifetime to learn this. Everybody reaction or how one reacts to to, to things that happen in life is, is even more important than the episode in so many instances. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to conclude.
1: I have to actually run to the Knesset right now. Good luck luck uh, with that. No, I just to conclude one sentence, because I was thinking, and just as a bracha to everyone, that uh, this Parsha should serve as a reminder um, of the importance of being mindful of where a nation truly belongs. And you know that. And you've been such a voice for that. And may that feeling of maybe out of sync and uneasiness help propel us to long for, to dream, to aspire for Geulah. And that pass back home be filled with countless blessings, growth, and fulfillment.
0: Amen. Tremendous. Good luck today. May God be with you in all of your you so endeavors. Much. And uh, amen, amen. I look. I look forward to uh, seeing you, Bez. See Talk my friend, in the Holy Land. There he is, Rabbi Yoshua Josh Fast, the incredible leader, co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh. Our tradition is to speak with him the week of Parsha Shlach. It is Parsha Shlach in the Diaspora, even though for him uh, and the rest of the State of Israel, they have moved on um, uh, within the Parshios uh, in the Book of Bamidbar. We are still stuck, we are still stuck, talk about double meaning, uh, in the week of Parsha Schlach, W-E-E-K or W-E-A-K, hmm, yet another observation, more coming up, it is a Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the A.M.,